0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. And just wishing you all a really warm welcome, whether it's early morning, mid-morning, late afternoon, wherever you are, just uh, wishing you all a really warm welcome. As my little name tag says, um, I'm Diana Clark. And it's, I'm so happy to be teaching with David, Ying, and Kim. Some of you may know the four of us often teach together and we're good friends and we study and practice together. And it's really our delight to be able to share this with you all. And maybe I'll pass this on to Ying so she can also say good morning or welcome. Yeah. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good um... evening. It's such a delight. You know, I'm kind of in the middle of a retreat that I'm going through, but coming here makes me just bubbly happy. (laughs) Yeah, um, personally, I found um, suttas to be heartwarming and um, clarifying, purifying for my heart and mind. And I do wish this is a gift for you as well.
1: Um, So welcome. And then to our next teacher. Yeah. Kim, are you? uh, I think you're next, David. Really? Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that I was to say anything, but let me just join Yang and Diana in welcoming everyone and just saying, uh, yeah, it's such a pleasure to be here. And as somebody said, um, you know, thank you for teaching the course and, uh, you know, offering, making these offerings. And I want to say thank you for joining us in what has become not a consuming passion, but just some way, a way that we each individually and t- together as a foursome have found uh, to enhance and enrich our practices. This this kind of taking a close look at these origin texts in this tradition as a way to um, continue to expand our practice and uh, open our hearts and and the like. So,
2: Kim. Okay, great. So, yeah, I, I also very much enjoy these classes. I was thinking about how, as we talked about this sutta, and you've perhaps seen the study guide that we sent, we realized at some point it's going to be a little hard to cover this in four classes. Um, it, we didn't even give you the whole sutta. It's very long um, if you've gone and looked at the whole text. And, you know, even as we tried to figure out the teaching points and settle on how we could, you know, bring this to life in some way that was true to everything that's there, uh, we I, I began to realize, though, that, you know, suttas for me and I think for all of us um, on the team here, continue to unfold for years and even decades. And so it it almost doesn't matter if we did only four sessions, if we did eight sessions on this sutta, you'll still be finding new things in it a decade from now. So I feel like this is, we can just jump in and see what we can do with it. And it's going to be great no matter what. So I also wanted to share, often we, you know, try to have people speak at the beginning, but there's so many of us in this class, it would take a long time. So what I wanna offer is a, a bit of a summary from your registration forms, just to get a sense of who's here. We have folks here from five countries, from 20 US states, Quite amazing, and you were also asked to say a little bit about the Sutta study that you had up to now. And there's a wonderful range. You know, there are folks here who have never read a Sutta and would like to start. Um, many who have had some exposure in various ways, and a few who have had quite a bit over the years and still find them fresh and wonderful, like like we do. So, um, to me, this says that. Uh, this is a great atmosphere to learn it because we're going to be able to learn from each other and um, everyone's going to support everyone else's level of experience so I encourage you to sort of enjoy each other and, and this discovery process that we're doing together and then we also asked you a little bit about your inspiration I'm actually going to um, read a little list that I kind of summarized from reading all of them, which was very inspirational to me to read all of all of what you wrote. Um, So there's a bunch of motivations to be here. Some people want to deepen practice, um, find greater clarity in understanding the teachings. Some people had kind of enthusiastic words, uh, devotion to the Pali Canon or sutta love, you know, um, actually the suttas themselves. Some people want to find new ways to apply sutta study in their daily life. You know, how does this actually practical in my, in my life? For some, the Mahaparinibbana Sutta itself is of interest. Um, you know that this is a famous sutta about, and, and want to read that one. Others are looking at reflection on death or end of life or spiritual urgency as a, a potential theme coming from a subject matter like this. Uh, some just want to learn more about the Buddha and his life and many people wanted to learn and practice with others. So, we are delighted to offer this forum where we're all able to do that together. So, I'm super inspired to be here. And I can see on many of your faces that you are too. So, let's jump in then. And um, David will start with a sort of an overview.
1: Yeah, just a really quick orientation to Diga Nikaya 16, the Pada Nibbana Sutta. You know, we we wanted to um, we we wanted to work with this Sutta. Actually, that's what came first, and and then we found a bunch of reasons why why it is you know uh, uh, a wonderful uh, reading and and exploration. Um, but it is a special Sutta in that it deals with the Buddha's dying, the Buddha's uh, old age, illness, and meeting with death, and and the reckoning of his community and his teachings with that that final passage, uh, the final breakup of the body uh, and and the death. And in Taking It Up, it offers us a way, this group uh, of four, and this larger group that's joining us uh, as part of a community of study and practice, to... Sort of address a different kind of sutta than ones that we've previously looked at. This isn't one that focuses on one of the core practices. We we began this several years ago with a five part series on the um, Anapanasati Sutta, the mindfulness of the in and out breath uh, discourse, and we've done thematic focuses. We've looked at the gradual training. We we've um, um, we haven't focused on. A narrative sutta, one that's fundamental backbone is a narrative arc that takes us through this sort of journey to, of the Buddha and his followers to the, to the, the teacher's death. So it's really different from many other suttas that we've looked at in this in this series of study and practice courses and it's different from other suttas that you may have you know encountered It's not organized by number it's not theoretical it's not the portrayal of a debate it's not a question and answer q and a with the Buddha after a long day of meditation it's not um meditation instructions it's uh, it has quite a different feel and it's you know yet another variety um we think it's really special that it highlights the Buddha's final teachings. What, uh, uh, sensing that death is near, and this is something that shadows the, the story from the beginning, the Buddha gives final teachings. What are those teachings? And um, I'm just going to give you a teaser, which is that they're surprising, but not they're special teachings, perhaps, but in a way that's surprising. So, well, that's the teaser. I'm just leaving it there. Um, it's a sutta in which we can explore, you know, really important question in any wisdom tradition, which is how did the teacher and his followers um, approach the final days, and what would become of the community of practice and the teachings themselves. And in putting it in the in the context of the three jewels of practice, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, um, we can see how each of these the Figure of the teacher, the teachings, and the, the community sort of existed in the final days, and the provisions that are made by the teacher, and some left to the community to sort of figure out how to, um, how to protect and share the teachings going forward after the Buddha's lifetime. And then um, that's kind of, you know, overview. In terms of aims of the course, in addition to introducing this particular sutta, introducing a sutta that has a narrative form rather than several other forms that that we've explored and others that we will and may and will in the future. Um, In addition to taking this look at sort of the final teachings, what what were they? What was seemed worth sharing and this sort of how um, arrangements are made for the continuation protection of the teaching of their practice. Along with those purposes, we just want to keep um, encouraging this practice of bringing um, study and practice together. That is taking the exploration of the sutta into our practice. It's not something in in what we found magic. You know, it's not that it's separate from our practice. It's something we can really integrate in our practice. And so we'll, we'll highlight that and um, actually practice that by incorporating as we go, as we've done in the past, guided meditations in each of the four classes that sometimes without any explicit reference to passages just read, help us keep doing what we're talking about doing, that is bringing the study of these suttas, the engagement with them, the engagement with the teachings, the frustrations we find there, the things we find beautiful and moving, the things we find completely opaque and mystifying, bringing those directly into uh, our meditation practice. So I'll pass the torch, I'll pass the lamp. Uh, You'll see why that's a significant reference. I'll pass the lamp to Diana
0: thank you thank you david so i'll say a few things about um the format maybe a little bit less about the content right now but the format of the sutta as uh kim talked about the mahaparinibbana sutta uh digenaka 16 is the longest sutta and um and so that's part of the reason why we only gave you some excerpts is just we, if it would take quite some time to go through all of it. But it's a fascinating sutra that both practitioners and scholars really love. There's partly because it's uh, big enough, right? There's a little bit of something for everything, but um, Part of the uh, sutta that we didn't include is the first part, and we do encourage you to go read it, read the whole thing uh, on your own. It's a little bit of a travelogue in the beginning, so that uh, the Buddha goes here and he gives us teaching, and then he goes there and he gives another teaching, and then he goes yet someplace else and gives another teaching. So it's a little uh, chronicle of how the Buddha spent uh, the last part of his life. But one thing that is interesting is that only one third. Of this big long sutta is unique to this sutta. That is so much of what is in here, we also find elsewhere. So, kind of like highlighting that uh, the importance of some of these teachings, as well as just recognizing that that's a common feature of a lot of suttas there's a location and then there's a teaching. And interestingly, there are six parallels that exist. So, we're uh, looking at what exists in the Pali Canon. Um, uh, but there's some that were preserved in Sanskrit uh, uh, and then uh, translated into Chinese, and we've lost the Sanskrit. And so as the Chinese, we have one that's uh, still preserved in Sanskrit and... I guess that's it. So six parallels, four in Chinese, one in Sanskrit, and one in Pali. And we're looking at the one in Pali. And what's uh, fascinating is often when you compare the parallels, you'll see that um, some of the details are a little bit different. And we find that some of the episodes are different in these parallels. That is the same general narrative arc exists, but uh, some of the details are different. So... This brings to mind well, what expectations do we have of these suttas? Do we expect that they are the absolute truth that was spoken by the Buddha at that time? And I don't know if we could ever find these answers. But we do know that there's a community that thought that these teachings were sacred, that these teachings were special, and preserved them for millennia. For me, I like to think about this thousands of years. These have been preserved, passed on from one person to the next, first orally, of course, and then um, being written down. So as also I'll mention a little bit now more about, uh, oh, before I talk about the content, there's one more thing I want to say is some of you may be familiar. There's the Mahayana version, the Mahaparinirvana Sutra. Even though the names are similar, these are really different. They're not really related. So just a heads up about that. If you're familiar with the Mahayana version, you'll be in for a surprise uh, here for the Pali version. So in this uh, sutta, we see the Buddha, both as a human, very human, as well as superhuman. So we see this these two different portrayals, uh, sometimes one right after the other, uh, These and which is kind of interesting, and we can um, explore and investigate um, our relationship to them. We see him, the Buddha. He meets illness, gets really sick, and of course he he dies. So how does he meet that? As well as he gives teachings inspires people, helps people um, come to awakening, as well as he kind of rebukes and chastises some people too. We haven't included all of that in the excerpts that we have, but no, we see him as a teacher who really cares about his community and recognizes that he's going to be dying soon and wants to make sure that the community understands uh, the teachings and are prepared to go forward. But it's not only the Buddha that we see in the sutta. We also see other people. We get a little bit of an insight of what was life like in ancient India. How do other people respond when they hear that uh, the Buddha is about to die? And how do his followers, Ananda, right, the Buddha's attendant, um, we see some tender moments with him that are really touching and heartfelt and and then we see how the monastics behave and how do they behave compared to how the villagers behave when they learn that the Buddha is about to die or even after the Buddha has died. So those that have been practicing and dedicated to the teachings, as well as those who recognize that the Buddha is somebody special and had really something special to offer, but yet isn't um, a dedicated follower in the same way that they are a monastic. And also in the sutta we see how non-human entities have roles. They have some key roles in the sutta. And how does that um, uh, affect how the things unfold? And how does the Buddha interact with them? How do other people interact with them? Is it only the Buddha that can see these non-human entities? And so it's really rich. It's really rich. There's a lot here. So maybe one thing that um, I'll spend just a few moments here on is, as you know, this is about the death of the Buddha. But of course, this is just a part of the life story of the Buddha. The tradition holds that the probably most of you are uh, familiar with this, that the Buddha was born in a with a lot of privilege, maybe we could use this way, that uh, had a life with not a lot of difficulty and was um, entertained by entertainers. Maybe I'll just use that word. Uh, And had this easy, you know, seemingly easy life and was protected by his father, who didn't want him, the Buddha, to be experiencing sickness old age and death and so he was really protected but then you know as the story goes the buddha in fact does encounter old age sickness and death but not in himself but in others and he has this kind of a aha moment like oh okay this is really what the human experience is like and there's something was something inside of him that felt like okay there's something is there a way that we can not have this suffering of old age, sickness, and death? And of course, the story holds that um, he meets a monastic who seems to have a lot of ease and some clarity about this. So then, of course, uh, he feels inspired by this and leaves the palace and becomes um, a practitioner. And he tries a number of different practices, Meditation practices, um, some extreme asceticism, almost starving himself to death, um, before he has a memory of being some meditation states that have a certain amount of ease. And there's something in him that recognizes, oh, this is the way forward. And then with meditation, he discovers more and more, has more and more clarity, and then becomes awakened. Probably all of you know this story. And then he teaches, right, for quite a long time. And this is why the Pali Canon is so big, right? There's so many uh, different suttas in here. And and then now we're meeting him in this last chapter, after a lifelong of uh, teaching, and he's dying. So I just uh, am saying this last part about the... um, the life story of the Buddha, so that we can put this in the context. We're just looking at one picture, one little maybe snapshot of the last. Uh, some scholars think it's maybe the last three months of his life. So we might be encountering teachings that are given in abbreviate abbreviation, maybe not the whole full of teachings, because he has decades of teaching before him and presumably the monastics that are following him are already familiar with this. So in some ways we are the, we get to inherit the, the, um, um, the Pali Canon in some way, which even we might not have been following the Buddha for decades, but we can look him up, right. Uh, with these uh, different teachings. So with that, uh, maybe as an introduction, I'll, Pass it on to Ying. Uh, Thank you, Diana, for this over.